This is Father Rob Lord. You're listening to From Silence, Something to Say, episode number 10. Today, I'm observing a special podcast for the Feast of St. Aidan, the bishop, the abbot, the monk, the missionary of Lindisfarne. In 651, he died on August 31st. I'd like to begin by sharing the collect for his feast day from Lesser Feasts and Fasts. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O loving God, you called your servant Aden from the peace of a cloister to reestablish the Christian mission in Northern England and endowed him with gentleness, simplicity, and strength. Grant that we, following his example, may use what you have given us for the relief of human need and may persevere in commending the saving gospel of our Redeemer Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The rediscovery of the Celtic Church has been an extraordinary revelation for many Christians in recent years, an opening up of the depths and riches within our own particular tradition, and I'm speaking of the Anglican Episcopal tradition, which many of us had not before suspected. And as I reflect on what it has meant to me, I think above all it has enriched my understanding of the realism of the presence of God, the availability of God, the availability of God's reign and kingdom right here, right now, from where I live. It has taught me and encouraged me into a deeper, more fuller way of contemplative prayer. So on August 31st in 651, St. Aidan of Lindisfarne, among the greatest missionaries of the early medieval period, died while he was on one of his frequent preaching missions in northern England. In 2014 and 2017, I had the gift and privilege of going on a pilgrimage to Holy Island, Lindisfarne. And on those two occasions while I was there, the thing that emerged for me and that was so significant for me, other than the sheer beauty uh, of that island, was the fact of the immediate reality, the realism of the manifest presence of God in that place. From his monastery on Lindisfarne, the light of Christ would permeate Great Britain and much of Europe. It's from the early Christian tradition and the Christian saints, particularly the monastic missionaries, Columba, Aidan, and Cuthbert, that I recognized in that tradition a profound realism about the manifest presence of God in daily living. This is what they practiced. This is what they knew. The Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was their friend, their companion, their strength, their resource. And it was in synergy with the Holy Trinity, with God's presence, 
that they were able to walk with God and God with them and to penetrate into the surrounding culture and the surrounding areas and befriend people, belong to people, and share with them the good news of the reality of God coming in Jesus Christ and his present kingdom so that they could enter into this new kind of life. For anything to be real, to become real, it has to be personal. If it does not become personal, it will never become real. That's the heart of Celtic Christianity. It's also very instructive to me that this mission, this quality and kind of mission which the early Celtic monastics expressed was not a monasticism based on withdrawal from the world like much of the Roman monastic movement, but more importantly, it was a monastic setting into which they were able to move out into the surrounding culture to share the light of Christ. They were able to recognize they were living in two domains at the same time, the domain of the physical beauty of God's creation and the domain of the unseen, the invisible landscape of God's presence with them always. And so it was the interaction of both the beauty of creation, the book of nature, as well as the gospel, the gospel of Christ and the unseen landscape of the manifest presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, interacting and becoming the source of their strength and their joy and their missionary zeal. So they lived on these border lands, these tidal islands that were out towards the sea that had the ebb and flow uh, of God's creation through every day and every evening. And I'd like to read with you a very beautiful prayer uh, written by David Adam called Until the Tide Turns. This expresses for me this idea of the manifest presence of God in the ebb and flow of everyday living. Lord, I wait for the tide to turn until the distant becomes close, until the far off becomes near, until the outside is within until the ebb flows. Lord, I wait for the tide to turn until weakness is made strong, until blindness turns to sight, until the fractured is made whole, until the ebb flows. Lord, I wait until the tide turns, until the ordinary becomes strange, until the empty is presence full, until the two become one, until the ebb flows. One of my favorite stories about St. Aidan is that he began his monastic life on the island of Iona at St. Columba's Monastery. And by the time that he was there, the church and Christian community in northern England had been decimated by Anglo-Saxon invasions. But there was a king named St. Oswald who wished to make his kingdom Christian again. And so he asked the monks of St. Columba's Iona to send him a missionary to be the apostle to Northumbria. Well, sometimes missions don't work out. 
In the case of Northumbria, the abbot of Iona responded to Oswald's request by sending a monk. The difficulty with this monk, however, was that he was known to be harsh and severe, to be uh, very confrontational. And he had trouble with the languages in Northumbria, and he found that the people refused to listen to him. He made no progress. And he returned to Iona, reporting that the people of Northumbria were too barbarous and stubborn to be reached. St. Aidan overheard this discouraging report, and he rose to chastise the bishop and his brother monk. And Aidan ended his remarks by saying these words, You should have followed the practice of the apostles and begun by giving them the milk of simpler teaching and gradually nourished them with the word of God until they were capable of greater perfection and able to follow the loftier precepts of Christ. It says so much to me about the way in which he exercised his ministry. He had grace, he was gentle, and his insight into preaching was to help people belong before they believed. And so it was that Aidan was the right candidate, and he was sent to Northumbria, and he founded his monastery on the island of Lindisfarne. So my closing observation is this. We learn from the Celtic tradition that too often we separate the physical and the unseen. The physical is the domain of the human kingdom. We become obsessed by the physical, by what we can see. But Aidan saw life through two landscapes, the domains of the seen and the unseen, and that one could live with in every action of life, whether it was lighting a fire, milking a cow, tending to the crops, writing a manuscript, illuminating the Gospels. One could live in the manifest presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that really what we long and hunger for? To live in the manifest presence of God while we are at the same time living our ordinary life. What a difference it can make. Well, I thank you for listening to this special podcast today for the Feast of St. Aidan. And I want to alert you to a resource that I'd love to share with you. It's on the webpage, uh, on the podcast notes. There's a download link for a PDF file called A Contemplative Prayer for the Feast of St. Aidan. And I think that it will help you to become more deeply aware of the reality of God's manifest presence and to foster a deeper communication with Him. It's a contemplative practice that's been very helpful to me. So be sure to check that out. It's again on the podcast webpage. There's a download link for this PDF file. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Always remember that I'm ever with you on the journey. And may you flourish in the love of God, my dear friends. Mm-hmm.